Well, I just want to take a second here and just welcome you all. I mean, what an amazing group of people tonight from all over Saskatoon and the surrounding area. But before they leave, can we just give a little bit of love to the worship team tonight? They are some of the most talented and passionate uh, musicians and worshipers that I've ever met. And it's such a privilege to, to get to work with them. My name is Luke. Uh, I'm actually the pastor. Yeah, you can cheer, I guess. I don't, I don't, uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. And I'm the young adults pastor here at Elam Church, and it's just such a privilege and a joy to welcome you. Um, who here is from outside of Saskatoon? Can you give, can you give me some shouts tonight? Is there anyone from around Saskatoon? There's just a couple. They're like, Luke, it's minus 50. It's wintertime. We're not coming out. Was there, was that somebody? Hey, woo! You know, and I just want to say how exciting it is to gather as the, as the church. And, and I just want to remind you that even though that we're at Elam tonight, and even though that you're here representing so many different churches, can you just lean over to somebody beside you and say, hey, we're family. We're family. It doesn't matter what church we go to. It doesn't matter which place we worship or where we call home. Tonight, we're family. Tonight, we gather in the name of Jesus Christ to worship together and to stand together. So how many, how many of you are excited to be here tonight? Let's, let's, let's hear that. Well, tonight, I want, to, I want to take a couple minutes, and I hopefully want to encourage you with something. And we're going to find uh, the, the passage tonight that we're going to be looking at in Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have your mobile devices, I would encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to start at the place we're going to end tonight. And then we're going to loop back around and we're going to see kind of what God is doing in this passage. And we're going to find our passage tonight in Philippians 4.13. Now, if you've been at church for any amount of time, you probably know what scripture that is. But, but let me read it for you. Paul says this in Philippians 4.13. He's writing to the church in Philippi. And he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, you might be thinking, Luke, I know what you're going to preach on, but you don't. So just like any good plot, there's going to be some twists and turns along the way. But I want you to remember that verse. Because that verse falls under what I like to call a tattooable scripture. So like if you were going to go and you were going to go get a tattoo, you might get one of these tattoos. A Philippians 4.13 tattoo, right? It goes right along with some of the other common offenders like John 3.16, uh, Romans 8.28, uh, Jeremiah 29.11. My personal favorite, Exodus 23, 19. If you don't know that one, write it down, look it up later. Hint, it's about a young goat. But for some of you, you might be reading in a different translation. So when Paul writes, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You might have read in the NASB, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Any NASB people out there tonight? It's good. I'd have to pray for you. I'm just kidding. How about New King James Version? I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. I get real Southern when I read the NKGV. It's in the past tense. He strengthened me. It's done. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the New Living Translation. Any NLT lovers in the place tonight? There's a couple of you. And most of us had he have heard this scripture before. And it falls kind of among some of the classics that we just mentioned. And I want to come back to it. But tonight I want to ask you something. Can we, can we be honest with each other? 
Can I be honest with you? And my name's Luke. Thanks. Hi, everybody. You know, and I want to be honest with you tonight. I'm not a perfect man. And for those of you who know me, you find that really hard to believe. <laughs> but I'm not a perfect man. I struggle. And so tonight, I want you to know that this sermon and this message comes out of a place of brokenness in my life. And it comes out of a place where I think too many of us get caught, no matter if you're a pastor or not. And so tonight, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. I want to talk about the fact that I think sometimes we spend too much time comparing and not enough time preparing for what God's going to do in our life. And let me explain what I mean. We spend so much time comparing ourselves with what we're getting to what other people have, with who we're becoming, with what someone else has already become. Hi. And what we're doing to what somebody else, somebody else has already done. When instead we should be focusing on preparing ourselves for the unique call of God on each of our lives. You see, when we get stuck comparing ourselves to others, we can't prepare our hearts for what God is going to do. And we miss out on God's amazing plan. And I want to be honest with you that this is a place that I struggle. This is a place I struggle because it's so easy to look over at my neighbor. It's so easy to look on Instagram or, or to look on Facebook and to see what other people are doing or what other people have or what other people have achieved. And I think that, I think that this is the way that the enemy works in our lives as Christians. I think he does this. I think he, he encourages us to just take a little, a little peek over the fence. Just a, just a little peek over to see what our neighbor has and what our neighbor's doing. And I'm not talking like a full out, get on a ladder, stand up high, and look over their entire yard. And God forbid, I'm not even talking about the enemy encouraging us to go across the street or go beside our house and get to know the person that lives there. Get to know why their yard is so lush. No, no, no. I think that the Holy Spirit does something in us that's even greater. He allows us to learn hard lessons. And one of the hard lessons comes from the enemy who encourages us just to peek over the fence. Just a little Wilson-style peek. All the old folks in here get what I'm saying. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, oh, oh. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Tim the Toolman Taylor. And the reason why he encourages us just to peek over and not actually take a look over the fence or get to know our other person, because if we're busy looking at how lush and how green our neighbor's lawn is, or, or maybe if we're too busy checking out his wife sunbathing or checking out her husband tilling the land in the garden. You know, maybe we're too busy watching their well-behaved kids play nicely together. Or maybe we're too busy looking at his Ducati that's leaning up against the triple attached heated garage that's housing a boat and a sports car. We're too busy looking at that to take a second to look back at our own lawn and take a look at back at our own yard and our own family 
and the own things that we're looking to and looking to build and accomplish in our lives. And I think that as long as we're doing that, friends, it's not going to take long before our yard looks like a hillbilly trailer park. I'm telling you, it's true. And I want us to come back to that tonight. But first, I want us to be encouraged tonight to stay in our own lane and let Jesus take the wheel, y'all. All my country lovers. Now to scripture again. This is where we're going to get serious, so stick along with me. If you're in Philippians chapter 4, look up verse 10. Paul says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so I want to break this down a little bit because I love scripture and I love getting into scripture. So I'm going to take you on a little journey and we're going to break this down verse by verse. So verse 10, Paul says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no way to show it. What you need to know is that the church in Philippi was a big supporter of Paul and his missions. They loved him. They sent him money. They took care of him. And then for some reason, their support waned. For some reason, they stopped supporting Paul. They stopped reaching out to him. They stopped really listening to him. And so when Paul writes this, he, he's writing in response to that. He says, you know, for a while you did. You were concerned with me. And we know that because he says your concern for me is renewed, which means that it once was, now it wasn't, and now it is again. Right? And the allusion here is to this idea of a plant or flower, if you will. And when Paul writes this, he writes it in this way that it, it, it alludes to a flower that's blooming. And the reason why this is significant, and the reason why it's in the Bible, is because God wants us to know something. God wants to encourage us that there is going to be times in our life where people that once supported us no longer do. There is going to be times in your life where you feel like you are walking in the call of God for your life and you're taking steps towards what he has prepared for you. And there's going to be people in your life that you love and there's people in your life that say that they love you and they are going to stop supporting you. Some of us know that all too well. Some of us know what it's like to walk in darkness for so long and then God moves us to walk in his way and then the people that called us friends and the people that called us family decided that they no longer supported us. And the Bible wants us to know, and Paul wants us to know, and I believe that God wants us to know, don't cut them off. Let them bloom. Give them time. Give them space. Love on them. Pray for them. Care for them. Because one day, their love and support of you might rebloom, And then you can just pick right up and have a relationship. So that's a piece of encouragement tonight in a you know, sometimes we get into verses in the Bible and they just don't seem like they matter. But then we take a little bit of time and it's like, that's awesome. That was just a side note. Verse 11 and 12, Paul says this, and we're getting into the meat of it, so pay attention. I'm not saying this because I am in need. This is the last thing I just said. 
For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. When I took a look back at this verse, I felt like God slapped me so hard upside the head because he said, Luke, listen. Paul had to learn to be content. And Paul doesn't even stop there. He doesn't even just stop there and say, yeah, I had to learn how to be content. He says it again. He says, I had to learn the secret to being content. And this is important tonight. Because I think that often we look at scripture and we see the work that's already been done. You see, we know how the story ends. We know the story of Jonah and the whale. And we know that, that he, he failed. And we know that he didn't go all the way that God told him to. But we know that eventually he did. We know the story of Moses. We know the story of Noah. We know the story of people after people after people who failed but then succeeded. Or failed and then God came through with them. And so we have this mentality that when we read the Bible, we read the results of what God is doing. And you know what? We do the same with our friends and our family. We do the same with the people around us. We look at what they have and we see the result of all the hard work. You walk into a friend's house who has a bachelor's degree hanging on their wall and your first year in arts and science and you feel like you're going to die. And you think, I'm never going to get there. It's not fair that he got through it. And I'm struggling to finish English. You know, it's the same when we go into the gym and we see a guy like James who's super jacked and looks amazing. And we look at him and we go, it's not fair he's so jacked. And I'm so fat. We see the result of hard work. It's the same when we look at someone who has an amazing singing voice or someone who drives a really sweet car. We look at people and we see the result of work that they have done. And we see it through a lens that God didn't intend for us to see. And so it's, it's important tonight because I think Paul wants us to hear something. Paul wants us to hear that we need to learn to be content. And when he says he's learned the secret, there's something going on here. He's actually alluding to a group of people called the Stoics. The Stoics were a, a philosophical group in Greek times that were all about separating themselves from the world. And they did so in such an epic fashion that it took years and years and years to be inducted into the group of Stoicism. And Paul references that here without really referencing it, but that's what he's talking about. And he says, I've learned the secret. So he's, I, he's referencing this idea that I have learned something that's incredibly difficult to do. You think that joining this group is difficult. You think that getting up on your ivory tower of philosophy is difficult. Let me tell you what's really difficult. What's really difficult is learning to be content in every, in, in all circumstances. Paul has something he's saying here. And he wants us to hear it. He's telling us that being content is not for the faint of heart. And I think that we pick up on this really well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles 
are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is a theme when Paul preaches. He wants us to know that this outward life doesn't matter as much as the inward one. And there's this repeat and repeat and repeat message that Paul is sending, that this stuff takes a lot of work. And so then we end in verse 13, where Paul writes, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And maybe you're thinking, Luke, so what? So what? So God has, God has given him the ability, the ability to be content. And you might think, I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty content with where I'm at. But I want to I share with you where Paul gets his credentials from. Can I, can I do that? Because a little bit earlier than what Paul just wrote in Corinthians, he wrote this to the same church in Corinth. He basically started by saying, you know what, you, you think you know, but, but let me tell you something. I like Paul a lot. He says this, whatever anyone else dares to boast, this is in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. You might want to make a note of this. It starts in the second half of verse 21 and it runs to 30. And it's, it's a little bit long, but I want you to bear with me. Because he says, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, and then he says kind of in parentheses, he says, I'm speaking as a fool. So he's like, just prepared. I'm about to drop some hot truth on you, but I'm going to sound kind of like a little bit like a jerk. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? And then he writes again here, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. He's saying, this is ridiculous that I have to say this to you, but let me carry on, church. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. He goes on, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and been... I have known hunger and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, catch this tonight, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. And friends, if that was an Instagram post, you know there's going to be a hashtag at the end that says the struggle is real. I mean, come on. Paul knows struggle. Do you need me to read it again? I mean, it was wild. It was wild what Paul went through. This is why I love Paul so much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Jesus even more, but Jesus was perfect, so it's like, I get it that he's good. But Paul was just like me. And Paul was just like you. 
And so when Paul writes this, I, I perk up a little bit because I go, you know what? If he can do it, I might be able to. And if I can do it, you certainly can do it. Paul knows about the struggle. He knows. And I think that Paul knew all along that no matter what he endured, it was not the same as what Christ endured. Because Jesus Christ chose to carry his cross up the hill at Calvary. Past the people that mocked him, spit on him, beat him, and eventually killed him and laughed. He did it willingly because he loved them and because he knew that he was called to a purpose bigger than just his ministry. Jesus was called to something even greater. In John 10.10, 10, it tells us exactly what he was called for. Jesus came to give life and give it to the full. Jesus endured the humiliation of the cross willingly. Willingly he endured the cross for you and for me. And so what does it have to do with Philippians 4, 13? First of all, it's not a feel-good verse. If you have a tattoo of Philippians 4, 13 already, that's not a bad thing. Just know what you got. In fact, it makes you look even more spiritual now that you've heard the sermon because you're like, yeah, I'm content. But it's not a feel-good verse. I mean, I swear if I see one more person bicep curling with that tag at the bottom of an Instagram post, I'm going to lose my mind. Because that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what Jesus is saying through Paul. That's not what Paul, when he stands at the foot of the cross and he knows who Christ is, that's not what comes into his head. He doesn't go that I can just be whatever I want to be. I can just do whatever I want to do because Christ gives me the strength. It's no, I can stand in the midst of the storms. I can stand in the midst of the waves and in the crap that this life throws me. And I can stand being content knowing of who Christ is. That's why Paul writes Philippians 4 verse 13. And tonight it matters for us. Because if you're not content, if I'm not content with what God is doing in our lives, then we lose the power of Christ. And I don't mean that in like a spiritual, like you lose your salvation. I don't read into that. It's not a theological statement. What it means is that when we stand in front of Jesus and we say, I'm not content with what you've given me. I'm not content with, with what you've done. We lose the ability to stand amidst all the storms knowing for certain who Christ is and what we were called to. And that matters for us tonight. It matters for us because it means so much more than just a, a little scripture verse. It means so much more than just a worship night on our calendars that we check off and we go, you know what? Elam has smoke and it's really cool. We are cool. It means that we gathered together as the church and we worship the God who alone is worthy. That we stood on the threshold of heaven tonight and we sing praises to the one who gives us life and who gives us meaning and who paves, paves a path for us towards him. And so what does it mean to live a life that pursues Christ? What does it mean to live a life that 
is empowered by Christ to do all this. To endure all of this for nothing, there's no purpose. But to endure all of this and to be content no matter the circumstance is there because it allows us to share the gospel. It allows us to share the life-giving, life-changing message of who Christ is. And tonight there were cards on your way in at the tables, if you noticed. And they had the set list on the front, so if you hear a song tonight that you really like and you maybe don't know what it was, you can reference that. And if you didn't pick one up on the way in, you can grab one on the way out. But on the back of that card, there's, there's a place to write notes. And so if you didn't grab one and you have a phone, I, I would encourage you right now, pull out your phone and, and open it up to the, to the note-taking application that you choose. And I, and I want us to just take a moment right now and I want us to write down a few things that you need to let go of, that I need to let go of, so that you can get your perspective back, so that we can begin to see life and see the contentment that Christ has laid before us. Maybe it's the desire for wealth. Maybe you have a burning passion to be a wealthy person and to prepare for your, or, uh, provide for your family, to never worry about money. But let me just say something about that. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you're always going to worry about money. More money, more problems. Maybe it's status. Maybe you're hoping to be insta-famous. Maybe you want to be the next CEO of the corporation that you work for. Maybe you want to be the next honor roll student or graduate the valedictorian of your school so that you can stand in that nice robe and talk to your classmates. Maybe it's the desire for friendship. Maybe you're here tonight, you feel really lonely. You're sitting in a room of 500 people and you feel like you're alone. Maybe it's the desire for love. Maybe you feel like your time is ticking and that if, if you don't find love right now, that you're never gonna find it. That if you don't get hooked up and hitched up right now, that you might never have kids. That all your friends are going to have kids before you get your white wedding. But let me tell you tonight that the pursuit of those things are good and they're not bad. But if they get in the way of being able to stand in front of Jesus and say, I am content no matter the circumstance, then you need to let those things go. Maybe it's companionship. Maybe it's your education. You know, I, I, I'm from a family that nobody ever went to school. I have one uncle distant from me that, that, that went to post-secondary school. And so for me, finishing my undergrad was a big deal. Working on a master's degree is a big deal. The thought of one day maybe being called Dr. Luke, oh man, that sounds good. And you're all going to call me that, by the way. Maybe it's the pursuit of education that's blocking your way. Maybe you failed a few classes. Maybe you just don't know what the heck you're doing and you've been in school for a long time. Maybe you're hoping for a better looking body. Maybe you're just hoping for a functioning body that works the way that it's supposed to. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the point is, is whatever it is that you're holding on to tonight, that you're holding on to so tightly that you cannot feel content in your life and in what God has planned and purposed for you, then you need to write that down. There's something about writing that down. 
And if you're sitting by friends and you don't want them to see what it is, then you can just mark it down in your head. But I want to encourage you, write it down later and pray over that. Because whatever it is, there are things that each of us need to strip away in our lives so that we're able to reorient ourselves so that we can stand in the midst of all the stuff that life throws us and say that we are content. I'm going to ask the worship team. They're going to come back out here and... Um, they're going to keep leading us in worship. But I want to encourage you to spend, spend some time in the next few songs and ponder these thoughts. Ponder what it is that I'm holding on to so dearly that if I don't achieve this thing that I don't believe I can be content. And challenge yourself because your perception of what God is doing matters. Because if you're standing at the threshold of what you think is going to be a good life and you perceive that other people are living your life before you, you will never, ever achieve what God has brought you to and what God has purposed you for. And so tonight I want to encourage you, spend some time. At the end of the next song, we're going to invite the prayer team up and, and we're just going to be here to pray for you. And we, whatever it is, this is a safe place. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to pour out love on our family, no matter what church you call home. And so let's end tonight focusing on preparing ourselves for what God is going to do and stop comparing ourselves to what, what he's done in other people. Let's pray together and we'll get back into worship. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we can come before you tonight as family. Family that, that might call another building and another group of people home to worship at. But God, that, that we gather as your collective family of Saskatoon. As men and women who have gathered to worship in your name tonight. Praise you for that. And God, I pray that tonight that that we would have eyes to see inward the struggle that is happening day to day. And that, God, that we would find ourselves buried deep within there. And, God, that we would be able to find the things that are holding us back from having a content life. And, God, would you hear our worship tonight? Holy Spirit, I... I know you're already here. So God, I pray that, that we would have the ability to sense you move. That you would touch lives. You would rebuild hearts. God, that you would, for the people here, God, that don't have any confidence left, God, would you remind them that, that they bear your mark of majesty? That, God, that they resemble the one who created them. And because of who you are, God, that we can stand in your presence and we can know that we are made perfectly. No matter what's going on. And, God, would you renew a sense of purpose in our lives. So that we may come to you. That we can worship you, God. And that we can sense your presence in our everyday. So that we may live lives that are content. We praise you, Jesus.